Alexa, what is diet culture? Here's something I found on the web. According to thriveglobal.com, diet culture is a set of beliefs that worship thinness and particular body shapes. This is Dr. Aaron Nitschke. This is Dr. Darian Parker. This is Decoding Diet Culture. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding Diet Culture in season two. We are breaking down different dietary eating styles, patterns, and fad diets. And we're giving you a look at the history of each, how it's marketed, what it's claimed to accomplish, the summary of the protocol, <clears throat> any considerations, faults, flaws, and then a take-home message. So this one's a meaty episode in that it has a lot of detail to it. So I am excited to get started chatting about this. So in the first three episodes, we talked about the carnivore diet. The second episode was Scarsdale. And then the third was about intermittent fasting. So this, this time we're going to take a look at keto. <clears throat> so history and inception. So what is, might be surprising is this type of diet has been around literally forever. So physicians back in the twenties were using it to treat epilepsy, which is a neurodegenerative disorder. This was not at all started as a weight loss fad or healthy eating plan. So before we dive into those details, let's look at a few terms so we know what we're dealing with. So the term ketogenic, that's what this diet is, is a ketogenic diet. So ketogenic is a term that means related to the excessive amounts of ketone bodies in the body tissues and fluids as a result of incompletely metabolized fatty acids or amino acid breakdown. A lot of science speak there. So essentially it's these ketone bodies that get formed because of these fatty acids being incompletely metabolized or incompletely broken down proteins, which are amino acids. A ketone body is any of those acidic products of fat metabolism that are going to accumulate in the blood. We can actually check for ketones in the blood. Uh, uh, the ketoacidosis, that's a condition. So it is a metabolic state that's marked by the, the accumulation of ketone bodies. So that acidic, those acidic products of fat metabolism and it's attributed to incompletely metabolized fatty acids or those protein building blocks on account of basically taking in inadequate amounts of carbohydrates, resulting in lowering the blood pH value. And that can be potentially harmful as well as the presence of these ketone bodies. This is basically ketoacidosis. And when those ketones build up, you can actually smell it on their breath. Um, it's kind of a sweet smell. So those are just some of the, I guess, nerdy science stuff that's related to the keto diet and why it's called keto. The keto diet is now marketed for weight loss primarily and for balancing blood sugar because, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And really thanks to celebrities like Kim Kardashian and LeBron James, weight loss is the biggest purported quote unquote benefit. And we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. So when you look at a protocol, so there's a lot of different versions of a ketogenic diet. So I went mainstream here, 
A typical ketogenic diet is characterized by this type of macronutrient distribution. So that's carbs, fats, and protein. So this diet is about five to 10% carbohydrates. This is incredibly low. And that's, what's going to build up those ketone bodies, 10 to 20% of protein, which is actually considered a moderate intake of protein, 70 to 80% fat. This is super high fat intake. So let's do the math. So maybe get out a sheet of paper and and write this down if you're a visual person like me. So let's look at an average 2000 calorie diet. The daily caloric distribution on that type of macronutrient breakdown would look like this. 100 to 200 calories would come from carbohydrates, approximately 25 to 50 grams. 50 grams is somewhere around a bagel. 200 to 400 calories would come from protein. That's about 50 to 100 grams of protein in that calorie range. It's not a lot. And then 1,400 to 1,600 calories would come from fat. That's about 156 to 178 grams of fat. That's huge. So what does this do? Eating this type of macronutrient pattern forces the body to deplete the stored carbohydrates and look for alternative fuel sources. So this means fats. So that's included in body fat as well and proteins. Those are the only two fuel sources you have left. This reaction can take anywhere from about three to four days. It's going to depend on the person, of course. So in short, an abundance of good fats, so nuts, seeds, avocado oil, olive oil, that type of thing, lean proteins like salmon, grass-fed beef, non-GMO poultry, fermented dairy, and the non-starchy veggies. So the main goal as part of this protocol is to cut out all processed carbs. This, this means really sugar, including those naturally occurring sugars found in fruits and grains that cause quote unquote, an insulin spike. There is some truth to monitoring and regulating blood sugar. And that's important for people, even non-diabetics blood sugar is an important thing to be aware of whether you are struggling with a metabolic disease, such as diabetes you're on the cusp of developing that, or you're just an individual that has none of that. It's still important. We balance blood sugar by taking in protein, healthy fat and fiber together. So when we do that, we keep the blood sugar profile stable over the course of a day. And then that has a whole hormonal effect, which we're not going to dive into in this episode. So Let's look at some other pieces of the keto diet. So keeping in mind this not so helpful gut bacteria thrives on these processed foods and sugar. So cutting these items out of the daily plan does, can help restore gut health and that good bacteria. So really many of the keto friendly foods are also anti-inflammatory and have been shown to be beneficial for those with these digestive issues. Not a bad thing. Low carb diets tend to go awry when individuals do not consume good sources of foods and they consume careless foods, high and saturated fat. Not all fats are created equal and the keto diet doesn't promote eating a pound of bacon a day or say a 32 ounce prime rib steak three times a week. The keto diet, as it is marketed, aims to encourage quality intake of mostly fats and moderate protein and very low carbohydrate. 
The other important aspect of this is the ketogenic diet is not the same thing as a high protein diet that gets confused a lot. The ketogenic diet, when you look at those macros, very moderate in protein. So what do we need to think about with this particular approach? So the keto flu is real y'all it's real. So as the body is being depleted of these carbohydrates and we're reducing those stores, people often report feeling this keto flu and the symptoms are a lot like the flu, to be honest, there's some achiness, there's fatigue, there's weakness, there's irritability. Others report reduced libido. Constipation is huge because of the lack of fiber that's being taken in because again, grains and fruits have been cut out. So the first week on a keto diet isn't pleasant or tranquil. Tranquil. This is not an easy thing to roll into. You're essentially forcing the body to search for other sources of energy. There is some established and emerging research findings that do point to some potential benefits to a ketogenic diet. So it's basic premise of keeping carbs low to, to similar to other low carb diet trends we've seen in the past, the low carb diets have existed since the twenties, believe it or not. And were once used to treat epilepsy again, that's where this keto came from. Although with that, it's mechanism of action is, is not really revealed in that early, in those early studies. In other studies, the low carb craze became a way to treat quote, and I put that in quotes, treat obesity. There are other purported health benefits in areas of developing research that raise some really interesting questions about disease treatment and prevention and limiting the effects of, of said diseases. So don't write this off as super crazy, but it's also not something that everybody needs to follow if the goal is weight loss. So Research has indicated that a ketogenic diet has benefits for weight loss and type two diabetes. Other studies have examined benefits for conditions such as acne, cancer, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and those, the treatment of those neurodegenerative diseases like epilepsy. So let's look at a few of those details. Let's chat about those for a second. So weight loss, there's something called the thermogenic effect of food, meaning the body uses calories to break down food. That's the energy that it costs us to digest and metabolize and absorb. It costs more energy thermogenically to break down fats and protein than it does carbohydrates. Carbohydrates are relatively simple molecular design as opposed to fats and proteins. It's also why fats and proteins are more satiating because they take longer to digest. So essentially when we remove the carbohydrates and focus on those fats and proteins, the body is likely burning more calories just to break them down. Second, this type of diet has an appetite suppressing quality because the focus is on protein and fats. It's the satiating effect. This typically leads whoever is on the diet to consume fewer calories than are burned and result in a potentially more favorable body composition. So that's the piece with weight loss, the piece with diabetes treatment. So in restricting the number of carbs consumed, there is a possibility to restore insulin sensitivity. So in turn, this is going to positively impact what we call a one C levels and encourage a return to healthy blood sugar levels. That's oversimplifying it for the, the point of just 
keeping this brief, but there is some benefit to helping diabetics reduce and watch the number of carbohydrates. That's whether you're type one or type two. Third, acne. So this is an area that's developing. So there's belief among some researchers that certain foods stimulate pathways that kind of ultimately lead to the development of acne. There's not a conclusive amount of literature that says we can draw a conclusion about this and about how these certain pathways work to influence the development of acne. That is just an area that's being looked at. So don't walk away from this thinking if I do keto, acne is going to clear up. That is not the case. Cancer treatment. So tumor cells are glucose lovers. They thrive and grow when glucose is present. The hope and theory, working hypothesis, is that if we starve the tumor food and that supply of food by depleting glycogen, are we then starving the tumors themselves? The question remains if the human body can adapt to other means of energy and and that kind of substrate utilization, can other cells such as cancer do the same? So that, that, that means that if we are taking away glycogen and we're starving the cells, are they going to evolve in such a way that then they begin to thrive off of those two other fuel sources in the body, which is protein and fat? So we don't really know, but that is a working hypothesis. What will happen if we starve the cancer cells from their primary food source, which is glucose? So PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. So hyperinsulinemia, so a a high presence of insulin in the blood and insulin resistance are quite commonly seen in women who suffer from PCOS. One of the thoughts here is to restore insulin sensitivity and hopefully positively impact the condition. Again, don't walk away thinking keto is good for PCOS. We simply don't know conclusively the answers to these questions. Neurodegenerative disorders. This is probably the most interesting area because it's been around for a while. And this appears to be some sort of neuroprotective effect of ketogenic diets in many of these types of diseases. So that's an area of research that has been well-established. That said, there are still questions out there. We don't know the answers to everything. If you're interested in this, dive into the literature. And according to some research, a common characteristic of these neurological diseases is this disruption or, or I guess, defect in cellular energy utilization. So the type of fuel cells use, which could explain why forcing the body to choose a different path, a different source can positively impact that, this category, those neurodegenerative disorders. However, this area of study is still emerging. And again, the preliminary information is really interesting and promising, but that doesn't mean it's, it's gospel. So bottom line take-homes keto. Is this for everyone? Absolutely not. This is not a diet that just anyone should adopt, nor one that just any health and fitness professional should recommend. We should not be recommending diets, period, general guidance, building a healthy plan, sharing legitimate sources. Absolutely. But otherwise it is outside the scope of practice for anyone, but a licensed doctor or registered dietitian to recommend and supervise. So keep that in mind. 
If you are a health and fitness professional and your clients ask about the diet, do what you do best. Educate them on what the diet is and how it is purported to work, but consistently advise clients to seek counsel of a qualified professional to help them determine if this approach is something that's even warranted for them. And with the keto diet, it's not necessary to follow it indefinitely. Many individuals find these types of diets impossible because again, we've cut out a macronutrient friend. We've cut out carbohydrates. It's okay to believe and feel this diet's not sustainable. Many struggle with it. The most significant priority is, is helping, if you are a fitness professional, helping your clients shape and develop these sustainable, healthy eating styles that they will enjoy consuming and not take this overly restrictive mindset. Diet, just like exercise, is not ever going to be a one-size-fits-all. Each individual has different needs. And believe it or not, your needs vary from day to day. You might be hungrier one day than the next. We don't all, we don't wake up with this certain prescription of, I can only eat 1,800 calories a day, and that's that's me. It's not true. Those needs vary. So really keeping in mind that it's okay that these needs vary, and that's what's supposed to happen. But again, the takeaway is please consult with a qualified professional before you dive into trying any any protocol that we've discussed on this podcast or any protocol you come across that we haven't yet discussed. I hope you found this helpful and interesting, and we will catch you next time.